Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. And we've got another great episode. First off, I know everyone's been waiting for it. We've got the audio to our Aragon trailer, or at least our first draft of the audio for our Aragon trailer. We're going to we're gonna drop that at the end of this intro. Uh, Dro- the- drop it's probably not the right phrase. No, the trailer's going to drop. Uh, something else that we want to talk about with this, though, is there... So for a long time, anybody, I feel like anybody who's read the books has wanted some kind of film to do it justice. And so Luke and I don't really see this as just our project. So what we're going to do is we are going to upload a really rough cut of the trailer to our YouTube channel. Uh, And you will be able to find that. We'll put a link in the the description of this episode for where you can find that trailer Uh, and we're also going to include links to all the audio that we found that we used in that trailer and the video clips that we used Uh, so if you want to contribute in some way to this trailer if you want to put it to a different video track if you want to add your own music to it if you want to re-record all the dialogue and send that version to us uh Go ahead and do that. We'll post the script. We'll post everything that we've talked about for you to use and kind of remix. If we like what you've done better than what we've done, which the bar is pretty low, I think, then uh, we'll kind of update the current state of the trailer. Uh, And so that trailer will kind of be this, this, I don't know, abomination corpse of parts (laughs) sewn together that hopefully will make something, uh, something beautiful at the end. Right, and we and we we just basically want other people because we we talk to ourselves a lot <laughs> and don't know like we like each other's ideas, but I'm sure other people have better ideas and think our ideas are terrible. So we want to hear from other people, and we want help from other people, and we would also just so like send us, you know, a you can tweet us, you can send us a message on Reddit. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about if, if we like someone's submission, we'll talk about it on the show, give you a little shout out. Um, and, and yeah, we, we hope people help us out with it. Yeah. Uh, if, I mean, if this thing gets, as, as we mentioned in our very first episode, if this thing gets big enough, you know, who knows what will happen. <laughs> Anything can happen. Yeah. So. We'll get LeBron on board. Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about, Luke. I was talking about getting yeah. LeBron on board, not this actually being made into a movie. Right. No, I know. Oh, you can find us. You can find us on Twitter at DC at a BC and on Reddit. That's our username as well. DC at a BC. So either of those two places, send us a message and we'll get also you could email us DCBC at don't call it a book club dot com. <laughs> we have a great email address. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so okay so we're gonna we're gonna put the actual audio we're, we're gonna t- i want to talk about it a little bit first or just our aragon stuff in general for a couple minutes first and then we'll put the audio at like 10 minutes or something let's say that sure um i just want to say when when did you have you seen the aragon movie multiple times no. or is it just once it was just once so okay so it came out in like 2006 i think i was like 
I think I was like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And I think I watched it right when it came out. Hadn't I haven't seen it since, but I knew it was terrible. And in preparation for this, I watched it last night. No. The, the Aragon movie. Yeah, I did. Oh, my gosh. And let me just tell you, Dan. Does it hold up? It's so much worse than you thought. <laughs> oh, dang it. It's it's crazy bad. Like, I don't think anyone's seen it in the last six years. So everyone's probably just remembering. I, I assume most people that, like, saw it, saw it as a kid. Just because yeah. it's so it's way worse than you remember. It's did, crazy. Did you have to find it at, like, a Goodwill on VHS or something? I imagine it wouldn't even be on most streaming services well it's it's on like i got it on like amazon or something okay like amazon streaming um but yeah it's i don't know i actually think i would recommend people watching it just okay here's one thing this is very specific tell me what you pick picture urgles looking like they look like so not exactly like orcs they look much squatter like they look much shorter and fatter and they have like horns that kind of go around the sides of their heads okay. yeah kind of like that i think i agree with you i've i think you're probably right i've always pictured them as like minotaurs oh i, th- I think that's not technically what they are that's just always what i've pictured them sure but it, they definitely have they're definitely um like larger yes than most humans and have horns the horns are a key aspect. The horns are key. I would agree. The uh, director of the movie did not agree. Oh. And Urgles in the movie are just like dirty fat boys. <laughs> <laughs> he just rolled some big old boys around in the mud for a while and then had them run around on screen? I, that's what they are. Like, I'm not oh, kidding. Oh, no. Okay, before we get too much more into into talking about this movie i always feel a little bit bad for talking smack about this movie because like at some point somebody put a lot of time and maybe maybe someone put a lot of effort into this movie and everybody hates it and like i so okay i i know what you mean where (laughs) you just have to watch it again man right but like also it's imagine terrible. But like imagine being Chris too. Imagine being Christopher. Oh yeah, I feel terrible for Chris. God. Like I can't imagine what he's thinking when he watches that movie. Well, but also every time somebody dunks on it and is like this movie sucks ass. It's like ah, that was my book. Well, okay, but I think everyone's like the book is so good and the movie is so terrible. I guess, but like it still is just kind of a it's not probably not great. <laughs> I okay. I think we can all agree the movie was not good. I just want to acknowledge that I feel bad talk that for how much we talk about how bad it was, and for how much everyone talks about how bad it was. Because I think it was just such a big disappointment for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let, let's not get too much into that. Uh, I, know I, I sorry, I took us into talking trash about the movie, but. Uh, so we've already talked about the general plot line. Um, I think we're going to, so we're going to put the audio. We're also going to put in, we're going to post on, I don't know, Twitter or our website, I guess, maybe what the, like what the rest of this would look like. 
the general in, story points for the the movie right that and since we're only posting we're posting the audio but there's obviously like physical components that come to that so we're going to put like i don't know stage stage descriptions so that people know what is happening in the audio um and again just we mentioned at the beginning but if you have any thoughts please let us know yeah uh all of the materials that we used in creating our version were creative commons so just if you use any of that audio cite the author of it and you're good to go uh, also we should probably like we're not trying to make money on this trailer so i think we're probably good in terms of like copyright goes i'm not a lawyer though i i'm not i don't can we can we just like forfeit that by saying this right now well no i mean like it's not our book oh right like we're we're, right. we're making fan fiction which i think is cool and we're also not trying to make money on this fan fiction so i think it's still cool do you know what i mean Dude, i i think we're good i'm not yeah okay i just don't want chris to be mad at us <laughs> chris we'll take it down if you say so yeah 100 percent. yeah but you have to you have to come on the show <laughs> you have to we have to have a debate on the show We'll agree with you at the end, but we have to have the debate. No, we don't have to have a debate. <laughs> Just come on the show. I want to talk to you about anything and everything. So, Good point. Good point. Okay. Uh, without further ado, here's the audio for the trailer. Did you feel that? Are they here? When was the last time we had students? 200 years? Well, better late than never. Whoa, they're closer than I thought. I better start the tea. Wait. They're alone. And afraid. Something's wrong. Do you see them? We've been passive for too long. We thought we could shape things from afar. We thought we could protect them from us. But it seems that wasn't enough. I can see their minds. I can feel their pain. And I know what has happened to our homeland. We thought our role had ended, but we were wrong. It's time to go home. Brisinger. Dude, chills. <laughs> right? So good. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved it. I'm glad we spent so much time on that. And... Uh... Yeah, let us know what you think. So if you have professional acting skills and you want to make our our vision come to life, make it partly your vision, please do that cuz oof, this thing, this thing could be great. We're we're tentatively calling the movie that this is a trailer for Return. We're also open to suggestions for changing that. We can't just call it Aragon 2. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Return. I think it kind of fits, but I'm also worried about it being like a little too simple. But I, I don't know if you if anyone has ideas on that, too, let us know. And we'll if we like it, we'll give you a shout out. Um, let's OK. Let's be done with Aragon. OK. We for have now. now finished for now. Yeah, we have now finished A Clash of Kings by George R. R. Martin. Let's talk about it. So. The first thing I have to say is I would love, like, okay, 
I love my dad, and I think he was a great father. I would not, dad, if you're listening to this, like, you did. I I think you did a great job, but I want Corin Halfhand to also be my dad. I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but <laughs> he. Oh man, there's okay. The reason I'm saying this is, first of all, he's a badass that we already talked about. Yeah. But there's that scene where John lets John lets the wildling go, and then like later on in this section that we read now. Half hand or corn half hand like sits him down and is like, Yeah, I know you let her go. I knew I knew you would and just like wasn't mad at him or anything. And he like was like, I understand. Was just like, oh Corin. Well I was The best thing is he didn't even say I knew you would. He wasn't even patronizing like that. He was just like, It was your decision to make and you made it. Yeah. And it yeah, was just exactly. like Corin. Cause I, I don't know about you. I actually I like sympathize with John. So I like felt bad myself about him letting her go. Mm-hmm. And then when Corin said that, I like not just John, not for John, I felt good. Like Luke grew as a character is what you're saying. <laughs> right. I was like, thank you, Corin. I needed to hear that, man. <laughs> I should also say something as well. Last week, I wanted Corin to be my dad. I don't mean to replace my actual dad. My dad is great. Uh... I just want another dad, and Corn could do a great job there. But like, my current dad, doing a great job. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, throw that in there. Good call. Um, so okay, I don't, I don't want to. Let's not. I'm not going to do an outline. <laughs> I'm terrible at outlines. No. I just wanted to say again, a lot of stuff happening in this section. Absolutely. I think we should stay on, stay on Corn. We're already on Corn. We're gonna stay at Corn, and we're gonna come back to a theory. Okay. And this is the theory that we have been bringing up throughout A Clash of Kings. This is the great uniting of the North. And in this section, we saw Corn and John and the rest of the Black Brothers get close to the Wildlings, never make contact, and then run away. And then Corn and John were the last two left. And John had to go over to the Wildlings to survive. And what were Corn's explicit directions to john around that time uh i don't remember the exact details Mm -hmm. i mean i just remember that he was gonna he was gonna switch sides and just like watch them yeah okay so at first i read this and i was like oh shoot this kind of kills my theory because he would have just told him to go bring the treaty to mance raider and then it's like well damn but i was thinking about it more and thinking about the grand narrative the grand story of what they want. What's the goal for the North? And I was thinking a lot about what Corn told John right before that happened. And they're talking about how if, if the darkness, if the light goes out on the wall, then all the lights go out everywhere. And I'm thinking about what he was saying there. And I don't think he's warning John against the wildlings i don't think he's warning john against these people in the north i think he's warning john against the white walkers that they know exist right all the night's watch know that white walkers exist the others and they know that they are a threat this is like the big threat that they're getting ready to deal with it seems like and that's i mean that's what yorin 
No, that's what Thorne, Alistair Thorne, brought down to King's Landing to try and convince them to send more people. And so Corrin is telling John to think of the larger threat, right? And to think about when he takes that oath, he's defending the realm is his first priority. Whether or not he does all that other stuff is smaller, right? And so when he tells John to go watch the wildlings, I don't think he's telling John to go spy on the wildlings to report back to Lord Mormont. I think he is almost like grooming John to be the next commander, right? Because, okay, here's the thing. John's already set up as like the commander in line, in essence, because Lord Mormont's like, yeah, I'm like, you're my steward. He's kind of getting him ready for that role. Okay. And he's like the only one at the wall who seems to be competent at all to do that job. Aside from Corrin, but rest in peace. And John was sent up, as I outlined in the very beginning of this theory, John was sent up as a Stark from Winterfell. Obviously, he's a bastard, but he is like definitely high up within the Stark family. And so what better way to cement this great Northern Alliance than have it be led, or at least a big part of it be Jon Snow. Maybe he could team up with Rob as well. And they could be this like power duo, but you have the, my point is just that he wants John to grow to this realization that they need the wildlings on his own, right? He's still being like a top notch dad to him. Even at the end when he's like, I can't just tell John that he's got to side with the wildlings. He's not mature enough yet, but if I tell him to watch, he'll grow and he'll become the person that we need to take on the command. I love this. Okay. Um, you've got me. <laughs> Ooh. So, so one thing I want to add to that when he's doing, when he, ha- when he's having this conversation with John, he gets them to say the oath together. Yes. And the, in the oath, there's a line that says, guard the realms of men right yep that includes wild it includes wildlings my dude yeah it yeah, also i'm on board it it says about like not holding lands or anything like the black the black brothers don't hold lands right they but they man the wall mm-hmm. he doesn't need to hold lands to form an alliance between these houses and defend right he just needs yeah. to do it to guard the realm. Yeah, I'm on board. And so it was never explicitly said, but I think Korn did what he needed to do to get it to happen without saying it. Because I think saying it would have ruined it. But Korn has kind of given John the final push to get done what they think needs to be done. Yeah, I definitely think there's something in there where Korn and uh, Mormont are like really pushing John to be this leader of something i like i know you're, you're saying the combined force of the night's watch and the wildlings and and, and i stark, guess and the stark how yeah. stark potentially yeah but ju- just to be more broad i think they're definitely grooming him to be s- some leader of something right well and especially because like corin kept john like he could have sent john away to go to lord mormont Right? He's Lord Mormont's steward. It would make sense to send him away. But John is special, and they want John to do something. Exactly. There's the line where one of uh, one of his men is like, no, dude, send John. He can ride better than I can. 
And he's like, no, John has a different role to play. Um, so yes, I agree with you. Also, just fucking Corin Halfhand is the man. Like, <laughs> so great. <laughs> he has a very small role in this book. Like, we only get like two or three chapters with him, but I'm in love with him. <laughs> and I'm comfortable saying that. Honestly, I feel like if we got any more of Corn Halfhand, there would just be everyone would be so mad about his death that we would we wouldn't read any more books. We'd be like, I just want books about Corn Halfhand now, please, because <laughs> he is. Yeah, so I want great. all. I want you know how books always do little like side novellas or something. Yeah, now they do like spinoff books, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not usually a fan of those. I might take one with Corn. I would read that so fast. <laughs> Like hearing exactly. the story of how he lost his hand, half of his hand, mm-hmm. and then ah, mm-hmm. corn. We need to. We need to. We need a new trophy for corn. We gave him the badass trophy last time because he was just kind of badass. But we need right. a new. We need a new honor to give corn a new a new superlative. Yeah, let's we need think a new about superlative. it. If you if if anyone listening has a good superlative for corn half hand, tweet at us, um, and I don't know. We'll give you a shout out. Yeah, uh, if, if we love it, we'll give you a shout out. Yeah, we're not we're not just giving everybody a shout out. This isn't a charity. Uh, okay, I'm gonna move on. Yeah. There's I'm gonna move on to that Catlin chapter where she talks with uh the Kingslayer, Jamie Lannister. Oh yeah. Great scene, I thought. Yeah, very good. And there were some good freaking lines in that scene some good one-liners the two that i wrote down were actually before she goes and talks to him i forget exactly but what she says but uh it's something like the lines she said she tells um what's her name to come get her at midnight brian to come get her at midnight Brian's like midnight is super freaking late and she goes like every every hour is midnight to me or something like that i thought that was cool and then this line, I think our, everybody knows is cool, but uh, she says, she's talking to Jamie and she says something along the lines of like, to protect against men like you. And he goes, there are no men like me, just me. Just me. Dope freaking line, man. I want to be able to say that at some point. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say that at some point no. and I'm okay with that, but I don't know. It's- I'd love to. It's incredible how he still is able to seemingly be in a position of power for a good amount of this conversation when he is, like, basically covered in shit. (laughs) She kicks over his bucket and, like, pulls shit all over the floor. Right. And he is, like, still... She describes him as still, like, looking pretty hot, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Which was odd. (laughs) It's like, he's covered in his own shit. (laughs) damn he's a he's a beautiful boy i don't so i'm not a big fan of the word swag but it applies to jamie lannister it definitely applies to jamie lannister although he definitely loses it as soon as he's like wait wait don't leave and she's like oh i got him (laughs) and you're like yeah you got him caitlin (laughs) catlin excuse me right right so I don't know. I thought that was just a cool scene. Aside from the one-liners, there's also some cool little like history that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, some more insights into like Targaryen, the the Mad King, which I thought was 
just kind of interesting to hear about. <laughs> it was crazy, but I don't yeah. have that much on it. I just wanted to say it was kind of cool. Yeah, it sounds like that sucked. Uh, <laughs> but if he had dragons, uh, I'd still I'd still vote for him. I'd still probably <laughs> vote for him. Yeah, there is one part of that scene that you mentioned with Catelyn, the very beginning when she's sitting with Brienne, they're at a feast. Did you take note of what they were eating? Um, no. It wait, was, wait, wait. I'll just I wrote. I'll just tell you it was tr- okay. it was trout wrapped in bacon. <laughs> okay. And it's like, Catelyn, that's like your that's <laughs> like your house's sigil. We talked about this last episode. We've Catelyn. gone over this. That's like a. I don't think you want to do that. That's that's not that's not the move. That's a bad omen for you. You're creating a bad omen for yourself. <laughs> okay, it should be dark wings, dark words. And if you eat your house animal, you're probably not going to have a good time. It's not quite as pithy, but like... Yeah, the, <laughs> the actual phrase doesn't sound quite as good, but the message makes more sense, I think. <laughs> it's like, pick a different, pick an otter, please. <laughs> That's all I have I to say that. about that. Okay, I so I had this in a different order. We're gonna jump forward, but since since we're talking about food, and this is gonna be really insignificant, I'm gonna jump to a uh, Daenerys chapter. Dude, I have the same thing written down. Please read who, it. Who the fuck eats cold shrimp and persimmon soup for breakfast? I have that exact phrase written down, and then after <laughs> it, just what the fuck. <laughs> I was outraged. I read that and felt sick. Yeah. Like for breakfast? For any meal. I read that and thought for any meal this would be gross. Hot or cold, this probably would still be gross. You're you have so much you have servants that are coming and going all the time. Somebody set this down in front of you and you're like, "Yeah, I could probably do that." <laughs> you what? Yeah, you're like I, I'm just picturing being like, uh, yeah, can you guys bring me some breakfast, please? I would love, uh, you know, I, I don't know what you guys have at hand. You know, just g- general breakfast stuff. You know, the like usual maybe some, breakfast maybe, stuff. Maybe some bacon, I don't know. Maybe a scone. Um, maybe some eggs, anything like that. And they set down cold shrimp and persimmon soup. And she's just like, oh, okay. I'll give it a shot. And I'm saying, I don't know. Maybe it's a great breakfast food. I mean... But I'm not willing to try it. No, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm the mother of dragons. Give it another try, please. Yeah, exactly. That'll be a take take two. Somebody's not getting a tip today. (laughs) Do you think maybe they did that because her patron was just trying to get her out? (laughs) And, And he was like, what's the shittiest food I can think of to give her? But that wouldn't be insulting. You know what I mean? What could right, I give yeah. her that she wouldn't be like, oh, he's trying to get me out of here. But I can be like, this is this is gross. This is garbage. <laughs> My views in this guy just do not align. <laughs> that would do it for me. Yeah, I feel like that. I'm trying to think of something else. Like, I don't know. If you gave me, like, hot seaweed wrapped around, I don't know, like an apple or something, I'd probably also leave. <laughs> it sounds yeah. fancy. But I don't think it would be very good. No, it doesn't sound very good. Um, okay. 
Let's. Sorry, I, I took us down that aside. Dude, I was about <laughs> to go there. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I'm going to jump back to King's Landing and Lady Tonda's daughter, Lawless. Mm-hmm. So are we just like giving, are we not, are we giving her no sympathy at all? <laughs> because everyone, like ev- so many scenes, it's just like, I, I imagine someone's being like, yeah, Lawless is over there like, uh, like throwing up her food. And then they kind of like look at the camera and like smirk a little bit. It's like, fuck you, man. She got like, she went through some stuff. She got like ultra rapes. Yeah. Like, like, very, like very traumatic shit. And everyone's like, she's a halfwit. What an idiot. Right. Yeah. It's just so many scenes where she's just kind of on the side. And everyone's like, fucking Lady Tonda, look at her over there like, being an idiot. <laughs> and then, and then they find out she's pregnant and they're like, lol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying. It's like, you guys, this could easily have happened to one of you. It almost did. It was very close to happening to all of you. Right. Uh, and they're just, yeah, they're just laughing it up about how pregnant Lolly's is and how she should just get over it. Because it, like it happens all the time is what they all seem to say. And it's like, uh, I mean, if that's true, damn, guys. Like, yeah, maybe it shouldn't. Maybe we should make more of an effort to not make this a thing. Get it together. I would not want to live there. I'm sick of you guys normalizing this kind of behavior. Hashtag not my Westeros. (laughs) I think, okay. I think, I don't want to talk about it right now. At the end of this, when we talk more about, more broadly about like how we feel as the book as a whole, I want to talk a little bit more about that kind of scene. Yeah. Um, But let's move on for now. Okay. Um, So I want to stay in King's Landing, actually. The, so they basically gave up on the whole Joffrey's a Baratheon, right? It does seem like no one really cares. They, they have just completely given up. Anytime Joffrey puts on an article of clothing, it, there is no stag anywhere on it. It is Lannister all the way, 24-7. Every, his, all his armor is crimson and gold he is wearing lion crests on everything. The stag is nowhere. The stag has left the building. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. And it's like, if you're trying to have some legitimacy to this, that's your only legitimacy. Otherwise, you're basically accepting like, all right, yeah, he's a, he was born of incest, but like, he's the king. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it seems like. Um, I will say so what so the baratheon colors are like green and i don't know what else i thought they were no oh, i thought they were black and gold because i think green is high garden i feel like i feel like rinley is wearing green a lot yeah. i'm basing this off anyway regardless i mean it might just not be a great color for joffrey oh like it might not bring out his eyes very well yeah, maybe it like washes out his face. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not very. I'm not very up to like color theory in terms of fashion, but I could see it being important in this scenario. You know, like a he's a very. I don't know if he's he's very like pale and blonde, blonde. very blonde, very blonde. 
I feel like crimson and gold goes well with that kind of look. So I realized that we don't talk about the significant events of these books. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to semi take us there, okay? All right. I'm going to take us to a Davos perspective. Ooh. And this is when Davos is sailing in with his their fleet when mm-hmm. they're attacking King's Landing. Mhm. And he's like describing all the ships around him and who's leading them and like who's a good captain, who's a bad captain, what strategies they should do, what strategies they are doing. And it's a good little like, I think it's a good analysis of the coming battle. And I think he's right when we like, when we talk more or when we learn more about what happens in the battle, I think he turns out to be pretty right. Yeah. And when I was reading or when i was reading his perspective on this i realized do you ever have like someone that you just trust their opinion on certain things so like if they have this opinion on things or on something or if they say something about some topic you're just like yeah i think i know i don't need to do the research on that i trust this guy i think he's probably right yeah that's that's how i view davos oh 100% everything he says I'm just like this is probably well thought out and I'm just gonna take his word for it whereas like everyone else I'm like that's probably fucking stupid yeah no well I mean I think that's essential to Davos's character because you have to think so it wouldn't be it's not hard for somebody to get raised up to a knight but it's hard for them to stay as like a king's counselor it's right, not, especially from when you're not highborn. Exactly. This is the this is the key. It would be really easy for if Davos was dumb for one of the other highborn lords to kind of like maneuver his way into taking his property and stuff. But Davos has had to like rely only on the power of his like wits essentially and his knowledge to keep him at Stannis' side. And Stannis knows that. Stannis is like, yeah, everybody else is an idiot. You'll tell me the truth, and you're probably right. And, like, Stannis is in a tricky position because he can't just do everything that Davos suggests or else all of the other lords who expect to be respected just because they're highborn will leave. And so he's got to, like, as, even if he knows Davos is right, he, he has to, like, sacrifice people to the, the god of pride for all these lords to be able to command all these ships. Meanwhile, Davos is like, this is a dumb plan. Right. <laughs> and when that was all happening, I was like, Davos, just turn, just do something else. What would happen if you just turned your ships around? We're like, no, we're not doing it. <laughs> and the answer I, my, I thought it was like, yeah, but they would probably just kill you and then do the thing anyway. Right. It's like, yeah. that's got to <laughs> suck to be Davos. When you're just, when you're just like, I know this is not the best plan, but I have to freaking go along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I was like, just to further, I don't know, I don't know if that really, that observation is really that big of a deal because he does turn out to often be right. Um, but I still think like, even if one of his opinions turned out to be wrong, I still would be like, you know what? I'm still going to trust Davos and whatever he freaking says. <laughs> yeah. Because he is wrong. He turns out to be wrong about the red woman in terms of like, he originally thought that she would not be able to help him with stuff mm. she helps she helps Stannis a lot just not in the way that davis would want him want him want her to mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, I think there's an argument to say that Dan or Davos was wrong about not trust or not wanting her help. Yeah. But, but I'm still like, Davos, I'm on your side with this. Well, I mean, I think this is like, this is kind of about staying in your lane in a sense, right? Like I would trust Davos on anything related to ships, anything related to ships or boats. Like Davos is the commander 100%. He'll get it done. Other other things, it's like he'll be honest with me about what he thinks, but he's that's not his area of expertise. He has no experience with commanding people in battle or any of these things, right? right. So, like, I'll listen to him and respect his opinion, but, like, sorry, Davos. Like, you just don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's a good point. S- speaking about Stannis, I feel like just a little bit of religious tolerance would go a long way with him (laughs) stannis is getting ready to take the red keep or he's preparing to assault and take over uh king's landing and everybody's talking about how he's gonna burn the great sept and all the people are afraid of him and i was just thinking why he doesn't have to do that (laughs) right why and honestly, I, I wasn't surprised by that comment because he probably would. Every other place he's been, he's burned the religious symbols of that place. But he doesn't have to. I So I see what your point is. But I will say that this new religion that he is converted to seems to just in general be very not tolerant of other religions. Like I think the... I think the um i guess the, just the old gods and the seven are both very quite tolerant right like people are just like oh yeah those are your gods whatever right right Whereas i think this uh the red god i guess mm-hmm. is just by the nature of this religion is very intolerant of other religions so i mean i see your point but i think that's kind of like to get to get the red woman on his side he has to kind of be that way. Yeah, I guess. I just, I think we need a new era in Westeros. <laughs> so let's get some tolerance in there. I agree. Let's get some separation of church and state. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get that from Stannis. <laughs> I think we need to stay in King's Landing, though. Okay. So a big kind of tension, a big point of tension in this book is Sansa being scared that she was going to have to marry Joffrey. And it seemed like everyone was willing to make her think there was nothing to counter that. There was nothing that anybody had said to say, Oh no, we're not going to marry you to Joffrey. And as soon as you have your, your first period, then we're going to marry you to Joffrey. And up until the point when there was a better bride presented, that was what was going to be the case. Why? Like, why didn't they set her aside earlier? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. There is no... Okay, so let's let's run this scenario out in our heads. Rob is rebelling in the North. Sansa has her first period and is able to bear children, and they marry her to Joffrey. Okay. There's two scenarios that play out. One... Rob and everybody in the North loses. Joffrey's declared the righteous king and they give the North to whoever they want. Okay, why does it matter that you're married to Sansa? It doesn't. (laughs) The second scenario, Rob wins. 
comes down from the north, gets Sansa back, and is like, yeah, this doesn't count. Obviously not. <laughs> and the only... So the other explanation is, okay, well, what if Joffrey gets Sansa pregnant and they have a kid? Okay, the time frame for that is, like, a long time for that to, ha- like, come to fruition. For that to, like, happen. They don't have that much time. Right. Um... I, I agree with you, basically. I thought kind of the same thing. I I will say there's... I think there could be an argument for, for the first option not quite working out. Like, the, okay, so the first option was basically they the Lannisters win and they just name someone as the new, like, Warden of the North, basically. Right. I don't think that really works if it's not a Stark because the the other North Lords are just like, not gonna, not gonna be about it. Um, so I think maybe they gain some legitimacy by like naming Sansa's kid. Mm-hmm. Sansa's the- Sansa and Joffrey's theoretical kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who would then be, well, actually he would then be like King. And so I don't know if that would work. So now I'm backtracking a little. Yeah. I, yeah. It makes, now it that you mentioned no that. Yeah. It also makes no sense there because that kid wouldn't go up to hold stark lands it so the only thing that i could think of would be it would be like sansa is a forever a hostage because mm-hmm. so if they have to make some compromise with the starks in the end they have some security that the starks aren't going to come seek vengeance because sansa is married to joffrey i feel like this was kind of just people had other priorities and were like i just don't want to deal with Joffrey and Sansa. I just want Joffrey to do whatever nonsense he's doing. I don't want to worry about him until after the war. I just want him to kill a couple more peasants with that crossbow of his. <laughs> and then finally they have like a solution that's presented to them where they don't have to do any work. And they're like, yes. See, this is why I waited. Finally. <laughs> um, you know, boys will be boys. He kills some peasants. No big deal. He beats he that some girl. Peasants, abuses his... Uh, fiance and then everything just works out in the end that's 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 the that's the thing i'm taking away from this that's that's westeros for you (laughs) um so we haven't talked that much about uh sander clegane oh yeah and i think up until this section he always seemed like somebody who was obviously on the wrong on the like bad side Mm-hmm. but you were kind of like you kind of thought he was kind of cool you know i yeah. don't know if you thought that too but like I, he, he had those moments where it was kind of like oh maybe he's maybe he's he's cool in a really weird way and i think i remember the first time i read this or like i had this sense that when he comes and asks sansa to leave with him i had this sense that i remembered that scene and i was like why didn't sansa go but then i just reread this scene and I was like, fool, don't freaking go with him, Sansa. No, 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 no. You do not go. Yeah, because now I'm realizing that he's a psycho. <laughs> yeah, he got, like, obsessed with Sansa. And that was, I think, why we kind of, the in the first read-through, why we kind of gave him some slack. Because we thought he was, we, we thought he was basically on Sansa's side. Right. He seemed like her protector. But the last scene of him and Sansa is like, no, he's a stalker, dude. Yeah, he's a stalker that is either going to murder her or, like, cage her up. 
like a little bird. <sighs> oh, wow. You know what? That was well played. Yeah. So the dog, the dog has not, I mean, he's definitely a more complex character than everybody else, than most people in King's Landing, but that doesn't make him good. He hasn't right. he hasn't done anything good. He's just been obsessed with Sansa. Right. I see in a different section, I didn't say it on the podcast, but I had this like thought that like, is the dog like one of the more likable characters? And no. <laughs> the answer to that is no. <laughs> I'm glad we've settled that. <laughs> we're we're sticking with King's Landing a little bit longer. <laughs> a lot of action happened at King's Landing. Right. Can we please just acknowledge that my Tyrion theory is 100% correct at this point. Yes. Oh, for sure. I was thinking this when I was reading this. Like, he f- he de- he demolishes people out in this battlefield. He's incredible. Tyrion is crushing the game. Right, yeah. They talk about, at the, at the end of this, like, when they're having that little party, and they're, like, giving people knighthoods for, like, doing really cool things, which is fair. The things that were described were cool, but... Tyrion is out here just like wrecking everybody and leading charges it was yeah there's no way that Tyrion's not like a master fighter Tyrion killed at least 10 people by himself in this combat I would say way more honestly right well 10 was the number that they explicitly said but there was also a point when they were like there was also a point when Tyrion was in like when Tyrion was in a battle rage essentially and he didn't say you know i killed this person and then i killed this person it was it was just i i saw all i saw was blood and i murdered everyone right even and if there was any doubt any doubt that Tyrion is this master assassin warrior he is basically unconscious he has an arrow in his right shoulder and one of the king's guard comes up and says hey i'll give you a hand up and Tyrion instantly knows something is wrong because he's giving him his wrong, his left hand instead of his right to help him up. And he dodges this blow that comes at him from this king's guard, and he he essentially is able to like save his life because he does some yeah. some like neo shit. Right. He like that was just his instincts slash reflexes, whatever you want to call it. The I. There's, this is, I think this is proof. Like, there's no way. He's a, he's like four feet tall in like little, little mismatched armor. Or it's probably not mismatched. Now it's probably not mismatched. Yeah. Right. But allegedly has no combat training and is just killing. I, I gotta say, it's gotta be like 50 people. Yeah. No, no way he's not a master fighter. Like, and the confidence with which he goes out to battle like he is he's so competent Tyrion's freaking dope i think Tyrion gets the badass trophy for this for this yeah uh, i agree this episode we're gonna give it to Tyrion. did you luke did you write down the thing about daenerys this time i wrote it down yeah you, i know what you're gonna say you know what you you bring it up you brought it up last time this is yours so <laughs> i love that we already know so <laughs> Let's just, well, we haven't talked about Daenerys that much. I don't have anything except for this, but maybe this will lead us into other stuff. No, we talked about Daenerys, the soup. (laughs) Right. So there's a quote. 
where Daenerys, Daenerys has just interesting. She has great sensory. She I don't know. She has she has a great flair for describing the things that she senses, um, smells more specifically. So I'm gonna read this quote about how she describes. I think it's the the market next to the ocean. Yeah, it's by the docks. The air smelled of salt and frying fish, of hot of hot tar and honey, of incense and oil and sperm. What? This is the second time, Luke. Why does she so often smell sperm? I, d- I don't know. I don't know, Luke. May- so, here's what it is, Luke. Was Jorah with her? I think so. Okay. I think Jorah was also with her when she was with the Dothraki the first time she described... Well, she described... Um, drogo as smelling like semen Mm -hmm. but mormon was right there Uh he was probably pretty close by maybe he's the cum bandit he could be i think this is true um so i don't think he always smells this way because otherwise she wouldn't really like remark on it or either she would always remark on it or she wouldn't (laughs) okay that's fair so i think maybe he just like she occasionally catches him rubbing one out. <laughs> this is her slight nod to the readers. Like, yeah, I caught him jerking it. <laughs> but she doesn't want to say it. So like she, she knows he, she knows that Jorah is going to read her memoir and doesn't want to and doesn't want him to be like, stop fucking telling everybody that I was jerking off. <laughs> but she has to put it in there and is just hoping that we find it. <laughs> And and she's just like, please, somebody needs to acknowledge how freaking weird this was. Yeah, I think that's it. That's probably it. Either, either that or the Dothraki still all just smell like semen all the time. Because she's also riding around with some other Dothraki. Actually, she has just put on her Dothraki garb for the first time oh, yep, yep, yep. in Karth. And as soon as she does that, she says it smells like sperm. I don't want to get too graphic in here, but I have a theory. Oh, shit. No, okay, not a, not a theory theory. A, a little stupid theory. This is a Luke theory. Um, this is a Luke theory. We love those. I think when they're making the Dothraki clothing, they're using semen as like a kind of glue or just some other... I don't know how to make clothes. I, I also am not very familiar with the uses for <laughs> we might cut this <laughs> no no no. keep going keep going okay okay so um i think they're incorporating semen somehow into their clothing making process okay like people semen mm. because that Maybe. okay if the answer is yes we got problems if the answer is no we got more problems <laughs> <laughs> i I would guess not people semen. Okay, we have got some serious problems then, Luke. Because the next obvious source of semen would be their horses. Right, I think that's definitely what it is. Uh, Luke, how are they getting that? Dan, they they love, they really like their horses. Stop. Stop. You know what? There was, there must have been a sperm vendor. 
mm, in the market. That's true. There was just there was a sperm vendor, and he was selling. I mean, we have like you know sperm bank. Yep. Yeah. She was. She had the sperm bank is right on the docks in Carth. Has has no refrigeration or windows or doors. Yeah, that's okay. That's, that seems more plausible. I like our other two theories more, but that seems more plausible. That's what I choose to believe. Fair enough. <laughs> so just, I don't want to talk about it, really, but Daenerys, have, like, just take, just take a little bit of time and, like, stop and go to that little, that little castle that you found, Okay. Go there for a little while. Come up with a plan or an idea. I think she just needs to chill out for a little while. Think about how she could like attain something that would help her. She's got dragons. Sure. Come up with some plan to get an army, to get money, to get ships. Instead of just constantly going places and being like, give me some freaking ships, man. And they're like, no. <laughs> and then she's like, come on, dude, I have dragons. And they're like, give me one. And she's like, no. <laughs> like, what do you want? Dan? What are you <laughs> expecting? <laughs> yeah, but, but they get to look at it, though. It's, uh, here, okay, here's the idea. Create a zoo. People will pay to come see the dragons. You've got some funds. Buy a ship. There you go. <laughs> Luke. That's just, that's just me spitballing Luke, ideas. Guess you what? can take longer and come up with better ideas. She did that, though. <laughs> Do you remember this? She did that. She had people come pay her oh, to come. Yeah. She had people pay her to come look at her and her dragons. Somebody gave her a corpse. Somebody gave her a mummy. And they were like, you could use this. <laughs> I have now seen the drag. What? What is she going to do with the okay, corpse? Okay. Okay. Here we go. Go back to your, that little castle that you found. Yeah. Let everybody know that you have dragons. Oh. People will come to see the dragons. All of a sudden, you've got a little trading outpost, you know? Okay. Something, somewhere that people are just just moving through, right? Uh-huh. This is going to grow into a little city. Okay. You're basically the queen of this city. Yeah. But it's it's not Westeros. Yeah, no, uh, but she's building up wealth. It will be, yeah, but yeah, Luke, every day she's not in Westeros... <laughs> She's not the queen of Westeros. That's a good point. That's a good point. She needs it now. It's hers. She's earned it. I Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. I'm, I agree. <laughs> so, so Hodor doesn't skip leg day, does he? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Hodor's freaking jacked. Oh, yeah. He, I don't know whether he's just like, super strong because he's huge and therefore super strong or if he's actually working out well they were underneath winterfell for a kind of a long time like a week probably Mm -hmm. he's losing gains if he's not lifting for a week unless he's doing i mean he could be doing some squats but he's not no he's got he's got brand on his back and doing squats damn actually damn he's more of a you know brand doesn't weigh that much he's more of a low weight high reps kind of guy see but that would i feel like that wouldn't help him 
move that stone that was crushing the the door for them to get out right but i think he's currently on the in the cutting phase oh shit he's he's yeah so so he's been what's the other phase called bulking bulking. so he was bulking he's huge now now he wants to now he wants to lose some of that fat so he's just doing high reps so he's doing keto he's doing keto down in the in the crypt keto high reps high reps squats he's also doing walking lunges tons of those um maybe he's got a jump rope down there i imagine that wouldn't be hard to get yeah they've got like swords and those are i mean if you get a few of those you could probably curl a sword i mean there's not much to do down there in the dark besides lift yeah he's he's totally lifting all day i mean do you think jojen's jacked uh i don't so jojen's definitely not jacked originally right but i think maybe he you know you know when you like have worked out for a while like you've been working out for a couple years and you see somebody that doesn't work out and you're like hey man i think you would really love like working out i think you could really enjoy it and you know build some confidence that kind of thing and hordo comes up to him and is like hodo hodo hordo (laughs) god damn it this is terrible content (laughs) no no no. do your hodo impression he goes hodo hodo that's hard to say (laughs) by the way (laughs) and jojen's like you know what I'll work out with you, Hodor. You're right, Hodor. <laughs> so he's not cut yet, or he's not buff yet, but he's working on it. Right. I mean, Mar- the, the only reason I didn't ask if Marine isn't ripped is because Marine's probably already ripped. Marine yeah, probably already does CrossFit at this point and is, has her own CrossFit routine that she's been doing to stay fit. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to move on a little bit. And I want to talk about Arya. Oh, okay. Just just really briefly. I'm going to talk about Arya and when she gets that little escape plan mm-hmm. and she comes up to, like, she needs to kill that one guard. Yeah. Freaking great kill. I I'm mean, going to say. I mean, yeah. She's she, she's a pro at this already. She did it very good. But... Like, it's... it's, it's she doesn't... She doesn't have a plan. No. And she just wings it, and it works out perfectly. Very satisfying on the kill. Yeah. What's not very satisfying is she knows that is a buddy who's aligned to to her brother. Right. Uh, so what are you, what are you doing exactly, Arya? Because they have the banner of House Stark up. They're they're in it. Sure. Bolton is kind of a jerk, but you're good, right? I mean, I think so. I think she she has this like thought. Mm-hmm. She's like, maybe I should just go tell him, but I think she just doesn't trust them. Yeah, which... like, and th- this is something that I was actually I was gonna bring up when we talk about the book as a whole, where it's just like they're pretty shitty still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, better for Arya, because she gets to work for right. Roose Bolt or Lord Bolton. Like her situation is better, right? Although, but just because just because she has changed, she has changed roles. Yeah. 
Like I think her old role still exists and is probably not better than it used to be. Well, they, I mean, we saw what they did to the people who were in her role before. Exactly. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Do should you we, have more? Should we talk about, or... I think we should talk about a wrap up, like book okay. overall yeah. review. So <clears throat> I enjoyed it. Um, like, I think it has obviously really very complex storyline. Very like, I'm interested in like every aspect, every, like there's not a chapter where I'm like, I don't want to hear about this section, you know? Right. Like right. every, every section has, is very interesting. Yeah. And I think the pacing is really cool too, where it's like pretty slow and very detailed, but like everything feels huge and it still feels like we're at the very beginning of the story, which we are. <laughs> Um, the thing that I wanted to talk about is something that gets talked about a lot, I think, which is, and I want to go a little more broadly than this, but does this story really overuse like rape and just like horrible things? When you say overuse, like as a story device, do you think it, are you asking if it overuses that? Or in terms of, like, for a pseudo-medieval place, does it overuse it? Is that what you mean? I mean more for a story, like, device. I think, yeah. In a, in a pretty big way. I agree. Uh, because the number of times that we heard about rape or threatened rape or... It was a lot. And yeah. yeah. Okay, I think it's important to, to separate this from our idea of what the world would probably actually be like. And I think the world is, that seems pretty realistic to this world. It doesn't ever take me out of the immersion when somebody is like, you, you hear about somebody being raped or potentially raped for the 30th time. Like, I think it's tragically common. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you where the the like world building i guess makes sense is that what you mean yeah exactly but for how often it's used as like a story device or a kind of a plot point i i'm more thinking of it as just a not necessarily plot point but as like a almost character development kind of thing or just like so so i think if if like rape or something as dark as rape is in a story. Mm-hmm. I think it should be more selective mm. mm-hmm. as in like, this is to show like, these are terrible people. Right. right. Whereas currently it's used so much that it doesn't distinguish anything. You know what I mean? Like yes. Everyone, everyone's behavior is so terrible that it just washes out essentially so i think it's washing out this huge thing i think it's related to what we've already kind of talked about the fact that it is world building and the world they've built makes it seem like rape is just so commonplace that it's not like a useful distinguisher of who's right and wrong it's just like it's gonna happen to pretty much anyone so Mm -hmm. 
rape just happens in this world. And when you get that as like creeping into the world itself, everybody should seem really bad. Like there should be Westeros itself shouldn't be really redeemable. There should be no reason why we're rooting for Westeros at all because it seems pretty awful. Anybody who is a part of an army where that's a common occurrence, it's like, yeah, this should not be redeemable at all. And I think the problem with it becomes, like you said, it kind of washes out to where you don't even really pay that much attention to it. You kind of mm-hmm. like, all right, so he's a Lannister and the Lannisters did some shitty things. Like they raped a bunch of people and murdered a bunch of children, but he's good. And it's like, yeah, but he still supports his house which does all these really bad things. He's not really good. Right. You you can't I think that another part of it is, is just you can't you can't root for anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like to your to your point about should Arya have just like stayed there because it it's like northerners or right. there are people that are on her side. Right. And it's like I don't know, man. They kind of like <laughs> like no. Like I don't think she should. <laughs> Right. It's almost like it's almost like you can root for characters, but you can't root for factions. Yes, exactly. So like Rob Stark, great character. I don't think Rob Stark would do anything bad himself, but I don't think you can just root for the North because exactly. you have people like Roose Bolton who are awful, mm-hmm. but he's a Northerner, so... Yeah, and I think even, like, Tyrion, it's the same instance. Like, Tyrion himself seems to be pretty good. He seems to be wanting to do good. But House Lannister, oh, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, basically, overall, I guess we agree. There's just, it's, like, there's, I think there's just too much rape in this book. Yeah. I agree. It's from a storytelling perspective, I agree with you. Like the world would not seem any less real if there was less rape in it. Mhm. To me at least. And I mean, I maybe that's what George is going for to make a world that's super bleak. And this actually brings me to what what kind of my thoughts were on the book is there's a lot more that happens than in a Game of Thrones. And it was all very interesting, but most of it was so depressing. Most of it was oh, yeah. so just, I got done reading and was like, nothing is great. Even if, like, it doesn't really matter who wins or loses at this point. Everything is just destroyed. There's not really any goodness left in this world at all. I don't even really have the energy to root for a side necessarily at this point. Because it's just... It's so bleak. It's very right. bleak. Like, there's, it's a very, I, I think, so it's a very intriguing story. I, I'm very interested in, like, what happens next in every aspect of it. Yes. But in general, I don't necessarily, like, when I normally pick, have a book that I'm reading or some story that I'm paying attention to, I'm always, like, I really hope this side does like becomes leaders or whatever mm-hmm. in this case i mean there's kind of that because i'm like i want john to be something i want brand to like become cool right um right 
but it's just like I'm, I don't have any I don't have anything to look forward to because a everything's terrible and b I can't really root for anyone yeah I mean for me it's just the Starks everybody else right. even Daenerys it's like I don't care that much I think it's cool that you got dragons you haven't really done anything that makes you a good person I mean you have good intentions but to me, it doesn't. Daenerys doesn't strike me as a great, good character that I want to root for. The Starks do, but that's it. Mm-hmm. It's just the Starks at this point. There are other characters that I think are good, but I do not want to root for them because I don't want them right. to win. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, okay. I think we. I, okay. I think all of that is valid. I I want to point out that I do still think that this is a, like very like good book (laughs) yeah i'm with you on that i think it was a great book i am glad we're we get to move on to something else though because it it was just a little too dark all the time so i agree so we are going to be moving on to a new book the next series that we're going to do is on a fire upon the deep by Werner vinge Uh, And it's a sci-fi novel. So I don't know how many parts we're going to do for that. Probably like three at least. Yeah, probably three, maybe four. Maybe four parts on uh, A Fire Upon the Deep. So, you know, stay tuned. We'll give you some hot takes. And keep acting like dumb nerds. 